This message was recorded live at Elevate Church in Erie, Pennsylvania. As followers of Christ, we follow a God who was crucified, dead, buried, got up, walked out of the tomb, demonstrating that there's nothing that you and I can't walk out of. He doesn't love me based on my performance. God loves me based on my position. It matters so much that we imitate Christ and we live out those principles. There's nothing that you could do. There's, there's no great sin that you could have ever committed that would be a barrier between you and Jesus. To learn more about Elevate, how you can get connected, or how you can support the work that Elevate is doing in Erie, visit elevatechurch.com. Well, good morning. How are you guys doing today? That was terrible. And by the way, I'm going to need you to help me out. I don't know if you can tell. My voice is a little raspy. I got something going on. I like it, though, because my wife said it was sexy, so I'm good with it. Um, but we are in the final installment, the conclusion in the series called Until Jesus Runs to This Town. And this really is uh, my favorite se- series that we do because it enables us to cast vision, enables us to look back at what we've been uh, a part of in this church over the last Year And we started week one talking about just that, talking about the problem, talking about that people that are far from God, if something was to keep God up at night, that's what it is, that there are 5.4 billion people on the planet who don't know Jesus. And if it all ended today, then that's what what we would be left with, 5.4 billion. We talked about the 40.7 lines around the world if you line them up chest to back, and uh, our heart really is for those people who are far from God, and really, you've been a huge part of that solution. Like, we showed you a video, and that's online for you to check out if you weren't here for the first week, really talking about the different ways you've made an impact just this last year, this church. When we actually did the video, we had given 83 plus thousand dollars beyond our walls just this year. Now, it's more like 93,000 dollars plus, you know, just this year. When we launched the church six years ago on $82,000, now we're giving that away, you know, every year and hopefully more and more in the future. So it's it's unbelievable that since we launched $375,000, we've given away. Like, you are a part of that. And probably the greatest number of all is the 3,624 people who have said yes to Jesus, who've crossed the line of faith. It's incredible. So we started this series just kind of sharing all the ways you've been a part of that solution. And then last week we talked about how it's our job, our responsibility to take action, like to do everything that we can do. In fact, we gave you a little uh, kindness card, active kindness card for you to put into action, a message on action immediately. And we got rid of 5,000 cards by the time this service was done, by the time the, the 930 was over and already like, That afternoon, Sunday afternoon, we started hearing stories of people like paying it forward, passing that along at drive-thrus, like at Taco Bell. You shouldn't go to Taco Bell, but it's at Taco Bell and Starbucks and all different kinds of places. And people have like shared that with us on Facebook. Thank you so much for your generosity. So you guys have a huge part. But I wanna close the series today uh, because I believe that God wants to do the amazing among us, because I I believe we can talk about where we've gone, we can talk about where we're going, but unless there is this huge faith component to this until Jesus runs this town 
kind of talk, kind of vision casting, um, then I think we've missed the point. And once a year, we dedicate an offering like we're going to do at the end of the, our, our talk today. We're gonna bring our, our offerings forward and everything that, that comes in is gonna go to reaching further, to going faster, to see more people come to know who Jesus is. And so a big part of that, though, has to be something that goes beyond just our understanding of what's possible, really to the realm of the impossible. That there is this huge faith component along with this, that none of us in our lives should stay at the level of just what we can do, but God wants to ignite something in us, I believe, today to stir us up to something greater. So if the, the first message was practical, uh, maybe the second message was theological, this one is going to be inspirational. And I hope something gets stirred inside of you. I hope today that something is ignited in your heart, that you have a greater faith when you leave than when you came. Ephesians 4.1 says this, I urge you, and church, I'm urging you, like I'm begging of you to live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. And you need to know that today, that you've been called, that we all have a calling that we are to walk worthy in. No one in this room is sitting in these rows simply to suck air and that's it, right? Like you all have a, a plan. God has a plan and purpose for your life. And if you're not dead, God's not done. So we are, in fact, to walk worthy of the calling that we've been given. Now, let me show you another verse, though, that's connected to this. Because when they first started translating Scripture, um, they didn't have the chapter and verse references. We put those in there later on for the ease of locating you know, certain texts. But sometimes in the translation, we lose the continuity of a thought that was to continue on. And so it's kind of the case with this. Let me show you the verse before the verse. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably, what's that word? All right, people, let's wake up today. Like I'm the one with a jacked up voice, all right? Help me out. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more. And I want that to sink into your heart this morning. I want that word to, to kind of root itself in your soul that we serve a God of more. A God who wants to do more than we can ask or imagine. Now, if I'm honest with you, that's kind of hard for me to believe because I've got an imagination, does anybody can imagine some amazing things? Like, I can imagine some stuff, but God's word says he wants to do more than we can even begin to imagine. However, it's according to his power. That God wants to be involved in this. That all this until Jesus runs this town focus isn't about what we can do. Isn't about what I can do, what you can do. It's, what, it's about what God can do through us and in us as a church. In this church, we've done some amazing things, but I don't ever want you to think for one second anything that we've accomplished has been apart from God's power working in and through us. All glory goes to him. It's all because of him, and he wants to do more than we can imagine according to his power within us. Verse 21, to him be the glory in the church. Now, I don't want you to miss that. That God wants to bring glory through his church, that he wants to use us, those of us in this room today, to, to do it, to bring glory to him. And can I tell you something? Movements have come and gone. Revivals have, 
have come and gone, but one thing has remained. One thing has remained through the test of time, and that is the local church. And we believe that the local church really is the hope of the world and that God wants to glorify himself through you, through this church, that we can together do more than we can ask, think, or imagine. If you don't get excited, it's gonna be a really long day up here in Elevate Church, all right? Listen, aren't you excited about the potential that God has in you, in us together, that he is a God of more than, he wants to do more in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, he goes on to say forever and ever, Amen. So verse one, I urge you then, hey, because we have a God of more than, because we have a God who can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, well, I urge you then to live a life worthy of that calling, worthy of that calling you've received. And my fear is oftentimes we live an ordinary life when God wants us to live an extraordinary life. We live a life that's relegated to what, what we feel like we can attain, to what we feel like we can only do or what we can accomplish or, you know, this, I think I can do this much and that's it. But God didn't call any of us to be ordinary. He called us to be extraordinary. And it's not us that's our, that we are extraordinary. It's God's power in us that's extraordinary. But however, some of us, we still choose to live this ordinary kind of life. And so today, for many of us in this room, this is going to be critical. We're gonna, we're gonna take an offering, that's gonna be amazing. We're gonna, we're gonna you know, have great faith in that. But I think there's something deeper today because maybe you're here this morning and your faith has become predictable. It's become boring. Maybe even if we're honest, church has become boring. Because you're like, hey, you know, Colby, I know what's gonna happen. Next, I know that I'm gonna be here for, you know, it's, it's 9.56 now, and I'll be here for another, you know, 30 minutes or so, and when the person comes out and starts playing on the keys, I can start packing up my stuff because it's almost time to go, and I wanna head to the back and be the first one to get my kids so I can go to Rubby Tuesdays for lunch, all right? So I know that's what you're thinking, and I know it's not Rubby Tuesdays, but that's fun to say, isn't it? Like, from now on, just call it Rubby Tuesdays. I love that. But can I tell you something? I think if that's the approach that you bring into the room, then that's all you're gonna leave with. And I think God wants to stir us to something greater. And I would just say, not today. That in Jesus' name, God wants to ignite, ignite a, a great faith inside of us. Has anyone in the room seen the movie The Bucket List? Raise your hand. You seen The, the Bucket List? So I've never seen it, but I love the idea of it. And so I started thinking about it this week, this whole idea of, of taking risks, this whole idea of, you know, there's some things that I still wanna do, you know, with my life, this challenge, you know, of dreaming again, dreaming of, of great things again, because oftentimes we can become complacent in life and we can simply go, you know, and coast. And maybe you're like, oh, I'm good where I'm at, I'm enjoying the, the wave that I'm riding on. However, a lot of times, um, Coasting, being complacent in the good, never compels us to the greater. And so sometimes we need to think bigger. We need to dream bigger. And so I took that, that, that movie, The Bucket List, just inspired me to write out my own kind of bucket list. Do you want to hear stuff that's on my bucket list? All right, two of you. All right, those two, I'm going to tell you. For the rest of you, you just have to listen or, you know, because I got the microphone. But here's some of the things that are on my bucket list. I want to share. I'm not going to share all of them with you. 
uh, because some of them are embarrassing and some of them, frankly, are none of your dang business, all right? <laughs> so I'm not gonna share them all, but I'm gonna share a, a few of them. The first one, and like number one on my list always has to be that I want to fly in a fighter jet, like an F-16 fighter jet. I, I wanna go as fast as humanly possible, right? I wanna, I wanna feel those Gs like pulling on my face, like, you know, just going crazy. I wanna do that so bad. Just wanna go fast. Uh, um, another one on my, my list, these aren't in any order necessarily, is I wanna do the, the overnight hike up to Machu Picchu, like in Peru. Anybody ever done that? What? That's so awesome. Like, I wanna do that. It's just one of those things I have a dream I, I, wanna, I wanna do. Uh, I, wanna, I wanna be at Cape Canaveral for a shuttle launch because I just think that would be amazing feeling the power, you know, of that, that shuttle, just kind of watching that. That's something that's on my, my list. I wanna take my wife to Israel. I've been able to go a couple of times, took one of my boys, but I want Kristen to go and I wanna be there when she goes. I wanna experience all of that, that with her. That's on my, my list. My list is, I wanna see four campuses of Elevate Church in this region. We kind of cast that vision last year, talking about how God has called us, you know, to maybe some of the lost and forgotten cities, you know, around our area. And so where we wanna go, you know, north and east and west and south. And if you take those first letters, that spells news, right? And it's our job to reach as many people as we can with the good news of who Jesus is. Um, number eight on my list is, I wanna go over Niagara Falls in a bucket, Psych. Like, there's no way. There is no way. All right? That terrifies me to death. I almost drowned in the James River once. I do not want to do that. Um, but I do feel like I, I want to dream and plant an international campus of Elevate Church. And I don't know where that is. But I feel like God is going to give us an opportunity with a, a city somewhere overseas that's similar demographics, uh, similar size and population that we could really connect with. That's on my, my bucket list, uh, an eerie dream center, not just a portable one, but a, a permanent location in our city where you can constantly go, you know, and, and be uh, an outreach arm of this church into our community. Number 12 is I want to base jump in a squirrel suit. That one is for real. Like, I do want to do that. It'll probably be my last day on this earth, but I do want to do that. Now, honestly, half of this stuff might not happen. Half of it might not ever come, but if you don't have a goal, then you're gonna hit it 100% of the time. And you need to know that failure is not, not reaching your goals. Failure is not ever having a goal in the first place. And for many of us, man, we need to just dream again. We just need to think about these, these things again, what it is that, that we wanna do, live our life, like going after something greater. Number three on here is I want to be with all of my kids when they go on their first missions trip. I have four kids. Uh, most of you know I got four little boys. Uh, it's not because I like kids. It's because I like my wife. That's a different message. <laughs> We're going to talk about that in February. You want to come back for that? But I want to be there when all four of them experience, you know, a, a family living, you know, in a cardboard box that that's their house. I want to be there. I want to go on these trips with my, with my boys. And I believe that this, this isn't just me, that God wants to ignite something in you. 
that we all have the desire to, to live this way. And if you don't hear anything else, that, that God wants to move you from just a, an ordinary kind of living to an extraordinary living. But it's gonna take great faith. Great faith. And that's why we're wrapping up this series talking about as a church and as a people, we wanna have great faith until Jesus runs this town. The reality is there are some faith destroyers. There are some things that will keep you and I from ever reaching, from ever attaining that, that greater kind of faith. One is a, a destructive picture of yourself. Some of you walk through these doors today and you have a horrible self-image. Terrible. Like, like, like your mind game is so destructive, like you've lost, you've lost the game before you even step out on the field because you say things like, I'm just no good, I'm just terrible. And a lot of people will back that up and say, well, that's just humility. That's not humility. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less. That's what humility is. But some of you, you've just, you have this destructive image of who you are. I'm no good, I'll never amount to anything. And I need you to know, like in order to achieve great faith, you have to see yourself the way God sees you that God loves you. And if you let him, Psalm 35 tells us that he'll stoop down and he'll pick you up, that he wants to stand you back up on your feet. No matter if you feel inadequate, no matter if you feel unqualified, and listen, there is no one in this room who can teach this with as much authenticity as me, and I'm dead serious about that. If anyone who, who is never going to end up to be the most likely to do anything, you're looking at him. Like on my best day, I was a C student. That's my best day. I came home with C's. My parents went crazy, all right? It was, it was like Christmas at my house if I came home with C's on my report card. I failed so many classes for, for a number of different reasons. I, I've told you this. When I went to college my first year, I, went, I got into Asbury on probation because of my GPA. And so I had to take classes that didn't even count. It was math 090, wasn't even a 100-level class, and I failed it, like my first semester. But I realized one day that although I feel inadequate, although I feel unqualified, I am never undeserving of the grace that God's given me. I'm never undeserving of the calling, and I can walk worthy in that calling. And listen, so are you. Those of you that feel unqualified, you are not undeserving of the grace that God has for you, that nothing can separate you from the love that he has for you. You need to know that, and you came in here this morning, and you have a terrible, destructive image of who you are, and, and you might feel less than, but our God is more than. Our God is more than faithful. Our God is more than uh, someone you can put your hope in, and he wants to do, like we said, immeasurably more through you. And I look around this room and nobody's as amazed as I am as what God has been able to do. But you have a destructive view of yourself. And if today I can help you, I want you to see the, the you that God sees. Some of you, maybe it's insecurity. We'll put a few of these up here and see if these kind of connect with where you are. It's insecurity. Uh, you don't know who your identity is in. You've been thinking it's in you and you've gone down that path and that's not working. Maybe it's fear. 
You're paralyzed by your past. Maybe you're, you're just uh, afraid of, of taking the next step. Maybe it's inadequacy. You're measuring yourself you know, uh, by yourself according to your own standards instead of the God who's living inside of you. You're just using the wrong measurement. And all of us, by the way, are inadequate until God gets involved. And then we're more than conquerors through Jesus. Some of you, it's reluctance. It's reluctance. You're not sure when to go. You're not sure where to, when to take a step or, or maybe it's procrastination. In fact, some of you have, have put off going to crash course here at Elevate Church. In fact, you've said this, like I just need to come one more weekend to see what this place is all about before I do the crash course thing. You've been saying that for three months now. Like, enough. Like, it's time to, to show up. It's time to go through the, 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 the steps and see what God has for you. Today is the me I was born to be, so it's perfect for you today. We'll feed you, 1245, watch your kids. Listen, you need to discover who you are so you can have an accurate picture of yourself. Here's what God says about you in 1 Peter 2.9, that you are chosen. Some of you, you just need to close your eyes and you need to own that right now, that you're chosen, that God chose you, he picked you. God wanted a, a church in Erie, Pennsylvania called Elevate Church, so he picked a dolphin trainer from Florida to do it. If that doesn't show you that God has a sense of humor and that he can't use anybody, I don't know what will, but he chose you, you're a chosen generation a royal priesthood, you're a holy nation, his own special people. Why? So that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You need to know who you are. But you have a destructive picture of yourself. And then the second uh, faith destroyer is a destructive picture of, of people. It's people. Maybe people um, bug you. They irritate you. And can I tell you something? You get to choose how you see people. People can either irritates you or they can entertain you. You can always criticize them or you can have compassion on them. My wife wanted to get a shirt. Um, and I shouldn't be telling you this, but I'm gonna do it anyway. And it's a funny shirt. She didn't get it, but it's a funny shirt. And on the shirt, it says, it's too people outside. That's a good shirt. And some of you feel that way though about people. Some of you are like, man, going up Peach Street is just a massive headache. Can I tell you, you have a choice. Going up Peach Street can be a terrible traffic jam, or it can be filled with, with people who are desperate for God. Or it can be filled with people who are sitting in those, those driver's seat with no real direction in their life. That, that coworker, you know, that comes in Monday that's way too happy. Everybody has one of them. You know that guy? Looks like someone's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> you know you want to rock him. But you can see them as a problem, as a thorn in your side, or you can see them as a soul that needs saved, that's going to spend eternity in one of two places. So you get to decide how you see people. And we learn this from Jesus because when Jesus saw the crowds, the Bible tells us, that he saw something that you and I don't always see, that he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. That's how he saw people like a sheep without a shepherd and his heart broke for them. And having a destructive picture of people, and if we have the right picture, then it will motivate us in the right way. 
And then I think perhaps the greatest faith destroyer is having a destructive picture of God. And this is where we're gonna focus. Because I think we've forgotten. I think we've forgotten that we serve a miracle-working, mountain-moving kind of God. And today, if anything comes of, of, of this talk, this challenge, is that you leave here and understand that God is a God of more than. God can, will, and wants to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we can ask or imagine, and we forget that. And because we forget that, as a result, we stop dreaming God-sized dreams. And we only dream of things that are, are humanly attainable, that are only humanly reachable. In fact, I challenge you to go out and write that bucket list. And when you do, here's gonna be the tension that you have to live with. How many things do I put on this list that I know are impossible? Like how many things do I put on here that I know never can happen because I can drive to Cape Canaveral and watch a shuttle launch, right? I, I can do that, but I can't plant four campuses of Elevate Church in our city, in our region. You know, I can, I can fly one day maybe to Machu Picchu, but I can't plant an international campus, so you're gonna have to wrestle with this tension. How much stuff do I put on here that's impossible? And I would challenge you and put some things on that list that, that will stretch you, that will be amazing if you can do, but that are possible. But you better have two, maybe three on there that you know you can't do unless God shows up. Because that's the kind of church this is. Like, I want to be a part of a church that, that we understand we are not limited because we have a limitless kind of God. That we can think big, we can dream big, and God's still going to do immeasurably more than we can ever Imagine, because when you live in that kind of tension, you live on that edge, did you know everything changes about your life? You will pray differently. You will see things differently. You will be more desperate for God to show up in your life. God, if you don't show up in this, then, then I don't know what's gonna happen. I need you to, to show up in this. We, we have a $100,000 matching gift that, that somebody generously put out there. It's like, that blows my mind. That blows my mind. Last year, I'm just gonna throw this out there. We, we saw about $33,000 or so come in during our Until Jesus Runs This Town offering. Now we have a $100,000 matching gift on the table. And I'm sitting here thinking, God, if you don't show up, like that's huge. That's, that's gonna be great faith. And I know some of you are like, so what would we do with that anyway? Well, I'm super glad that you asked. Because we're gonna focus in 2018 on some points of passion we're calling them. We're gonna focus on some people, on places and partnerships. In fact, I wanna real quickly share these with you just so you have an idea of the ways that we're gonna reach further, that we're gonna advance the mission of this church in our city and beyond. And starting with people, really we're gonna bring in a camp called Beulah on the Road. Um, Beulah on the Road is not, it's gonna be a week-long camp here for kids, not vacation Bible school, all right, not VBS, but it's gonna be a camp, and they blow it up. I mean, we bring in all kinds, they bring in all kinds of stuff, like rock walls and just crazy things, and it's just an amazing time because our, our people are our heart, 
And we wanna do that. We're gonna do ramp up our Love Erie days. You guys have been a part of those. Our mobile dream center, just kind of going out monthly, reaching people, just setting up shop in neighborhoods, feeding people, hanging out with people, um, then helping in the house. Like that's right here, our benevolence kind of fun that we give away to those of you that, that are in need. And we anticipate, we wanna give, this is the goal of over $40,000 to people, just to people in 2018 beyond our walls. And then the places, here's our heart. Like this is a multiplying church that we believe that the best way to reach people is to increase the opportunities to do so. And that's why in 2018, we're gonna plan our first campus. Now, we don't know exactly where that is. We're talking with people. We're negotiating. We're praying. We're, we're, we're asking God, you know, what doors are you going to open? But I believe it's still the best way to reach people and to get the gospel out is through planting churches. And that's gonna cost us about $100,000 to do well. And that's what we're anticipating. That's the goal for, for 2018. And then our partnerships. Man, we're really gonna ramp up our partnerships with ARC the Association of Related Churches, the Erie City Mission. Uh, another one maybe you haven't heard of is Convoy of Hope. And this summer, we're doing a day of hope here in Erie where they come in, they bring truckloads of groceries and they bring in um, you know, shoes and we, we give kids shoes, we give out groceries, we do a career day, we do family photos. It's this massive day and they see thousands of people as we partner with them. So you're gonna hear more about that. And then One Child Matters, like a compassion organization but our heart really is to take a single orphanage and to completely take care of every child there, whether it's in the Dominican or it's in Haiti, Haiti, but it's someplace that you and I can go to back and forth and visit and actually be a part of these, these kids' lives as they, they grow up. I mean, that's, that's a big, a big order. And it's gonna take great faith for us to get there because that amounts to about $70,000 that we'd like to see go beyond our walls. So in total, this year, 93,000. Next year, what we're looking to do is $210,000 beyond our walls. Hey, that's gonna take faith. That's gonna take faith. And without great faith, the, this, this doesn't happen. In fact, Jeremiah 32, 17 said, Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth, and by your great power and outstretched arm, nothing is too hard for you. I wanna be a church that joins with God, that lives a life beyond ourselves, that, that understands that God is the God of impossible. For us to be a church that it's okay for, for us to go all in and to go in over our heads in, in a good way. Just realizing that we have to have faith in God to carry us through, to take this journey to greater faith. Jesus said this in John 14, that I tell you the truth. Basically, whenever you see that phrase, I tell you the truth, what he's saying is, hey, I'm serious as a heart attack. You ever heard somebody use that kind of phrase? I'm serious. And what they're saying is, you're not gonna wanna believe this right now, but I need you to believe it. And he says, I'm telling you the truth that anyone who has, what's that word? Faith. Do you remember what faith is? Hebrews 1.11 says, faith is this, the substance of things hoped for. Hey, look into my eyes real quick, real quick. Whatever, stop whatever you're doing. Some of you have lost hope. Therefore, you've lost faith. You've, you've lost hope. 
you're going through life. Same old, same old. You have this routine that, that you know what's going to happen today. You know what's going to happen tomorrow. You've lost hope. And I want to get you back to this, this idea of hope because without hope, we don't have faith. Faith is, the, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. And Jesus says, that's what you have to have in me. And if you have that, if you have faith, then guess what? You'll do more. You'll do more. You'll be able to do what I've been doing. And I'm sure the, the apostles in the moment would be like, what are you talking about? What you've been doing is raising the dead. What you've been doing is healing sick. What you've been doing is feeding 5,000, you know, with the number three at Long John Silver's. That's what you've been doing. How can we possibly do that? He says, you're going to do that, but you'll do even greater things. Hey, Elevate, that's our challenge. For us to have great faith to do greater things. Great faith to do greater things. And I'm calling this church to a greater kind of faith. Challenging us to, to believe for greater things, to pray for greater things. For us to go on this, this greater things journey. And if I can quickly and honestly say, if that's not your flow, like, like if you like your church, like you like your God, predictable and tucked in, and you want to know that your seat's available for you every single week when you come, with all due respect, you've walked into the wrong church. Because we want to be a church that connects with God's heart to see greater things to see more and more people for us to always expand, to, to, for us to need room, for us to be able to want to give up our seat, to see more people come to Jesus. And if you want to go on that kind of journey, then this is the right place for you. And can I clarify something? Um, because it's been said of this church that, that we're just about the numbers. They're just about the numbers. They're all about the numbers. And I just want to set the record straight this morning. We're just about the numbers. We're about the numbers of people who will go to heaven instead of hell. We're about the numbers of families and marriages in this room that will be restored and renewed in Jesus' name. We're about the numbers of teenagers who are far from God that will meet Jesus and be a beacon of light in their schools. We're about the numbers of people who are stuck in addictions in a downward spiral of drugs and alcohol. We're about the numbers of people to find faith, people to find hope, people that are in depression. We are about the numbers. Like guilty as charged, that's this church, and I'll tell you why. Because every number is a person. 3,624 people that God put their, his finger on their heart. They realized that their life meant nothing apart from him and that they were headed into an eternity without him. And those people matter to God. And so, yeah, we're, we're about the numbers. And I think that we should do all that we can to reach as many people as we can in this city. So let's plant campuses. Let's, let's reach out. Let's dream big, right? Let's just, let's have great faith to see God do greater things. Now, in 2 Kings, I want to finish up with this, this text today. Um, 2 Kings chapter 3, this is a, a moment in history when the, the nation of Israel was split into um, separate kingdoms. 
So there was like this division, which not a lot has changed if you know anything about Israel right now. Not a lot has changed since then. But there's this split. And they were separated into the north and into the south. And so there was a, a king of the north. The north was called Israel, just Israel. And the south was called Judah. And so there was a king of Israel and there was this king of, of Judah. And they decided they wanted to get up and team together with another king, the king from Edom, to go after a group called the Moabites. The Moabites were, were always this like nagging thorn in the flesh of the, the Israelites. And so they were saying, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna go fight them. We're gonna go win this battle because it's three against one. You know, we're not really relying on, you know, God for this. So they thought, and in 2 Kings chapter 3, verse nine, this is what it says if you wanna follow along. So the king of Israel set out with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. And after a roundabout march of seven days, seven days, a roundabout march, does that, does that bring to mind any other scripture? Remember when Joshua and Jericho, they marched around seven days? I feel like, and it might not be accurate, but these guys were even trying to tap into an old miracle. Tap into something, you know, that, that God had already done. You know what, we can do this. If we just do the same thing we've always been doing, and we're just gonna march around for seven days, then we're, we're good. But after a roundabout march of seven days, the army had no more water for themselves or for the animals with them, which is absolutely critical. Like if you can't hydrate your toast, what, what, exclaimed the king of Israel, I think you have to read it that way, <laughs> by the way. Exclaimed the king of Israel, has the Lord called us three kings together only to hand us over to Moab? You ever felt that way? Have you ever felt, God, why did you bring me to this place only to allow me to die here? God, why did you, why did you give me that job I've been praying for only to allow it to be this, this point of bitterness and now, God, why did, you, why did you, you know, this, this pregnancy that we've been praying for is now ended and terminated. And God, like, like, why did you bring us out here? Only to let us die, to hand us over to Moab, Moab, they said. But Jehoshaphat asked, is there no prophet of the Lord here? That we may inquire of the Lord through him. An officer of the king of Israel answered, Elisha, son of Shaphat, is here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. So these two major prophets in the Bible, Elijah, you know, kind of tossed his mantle onto Elisha. Elisha is this incredible prophet of God. And Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Edom, went down to him. Elisha said to the king of Israel, what do we have to do with each other? There's a little animosity here. Go to the prophets of your mama and of your daddy no, the king of Israel answered, because it was the Lord who called us three kings together to hand us over to Moab. Elisha said, as surely as the, as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, if I did not have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I wouldn't even notice you. In other words, if it wasn't for this guy, Jehoshaphat, I wouldn't even give you the time of day. Now, I wanna pause here real quick and say, if you're looking for baby names, like, Anything with the word fat in it is not a good idea, all right? Just throwing that out there. It's gonna be bad. But I think in this text, we learn three things. Three things that I want you to jot down about having great 
faith. Three keys that will help move us to having great faith. Because the next verse says, but now, Elisha says, bring me a harpist. What, what? Right? Like for real? Like here we are about to die. We're without water. We've been doing this roundabout march seven days and you want some mood music while we all kill over, right? Like they're, what are you out of your mind? But I think this teaches us something. He says, bring me a harpist. And while the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha. Now I don't want you to miss this. So I'm gonna ask Dave. Dave, come on out here. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Dave Perkins. Let's hear it for Dave Perkins. Now Dave's gonna help me out because he's going to play the absolute best, best, as if this message was depending on it, best, which it is. Or I see some people sleeping. I'm just saying. No, I'm just kidding. The best mood music that you can also play. Whatever I just said. Can you see how just, just a couple seconds, does that change the atmosphere? Like just a couple seconds, man, it, it just kind of changes the entire mood, the entire heart of it. And he says, bring me a harpist. Now, wait, we'll stop right there. Stop right there. Like, for many of us, this is how it feels. Like, here's the reality. And I think Elisha right now, he teaches us something about the presence of God, that great faith is birthed in the presence of God. We need God's presence. And so if I was to stand up here and say, um, God, I've seen you move. You move the mountains, and I believe, my God, you'll do it again. And I can get you pumped up. We can get you excited about all that. That sounds okay. But what if we added kind of that song to it? Saying, God, I've seen you move. In fact, in fact, dim the lights, dim the lights. Take the lights down, Dylan. Well, we're gonna create this moment up in here. If we say, God, we've seen you move. You've moved the mountains and we have faith. We believe that our God will do it again. That's better, isn't it? That's better, right? Hey, but here's the deal. Stop playing, stop playing. Dave Perkins isn't going home with you. Like, you have to learn to do this on your own. As much as you want Dave Perkins to show up in your house when you ever feel that moment of desperation for God and you need the keys going on in the background, this is more what your house sounds like, right? And honestly, some of you, you've lost during the season that's all about presence with a T. The ability to find the presence with a C of God in your life. And great faith is birthed in, and play again, play again, because it's way better with you playing. The presence of God in your life. And some of you have been practicing this. Maybe some of you feel as far from God as you ever have in your life. In fact, I've, I've seen you come in here and you worship, you lift up hands. You're like, during church, I've seen you move. You move the mountains, woo! And then you get in your car, and it sounds like this. Go ahead, stop. You get in your car, and you start driving, 
And there's a lot of traffic leaving. You're like, I can't believe it. You know, I gotta, and you get all mad. And what I'm telling you you should do, as soon as you get out of here, go ahead and you play again. You can <laughs> pop in some Hillsong worship, pop in some Elevation worship, like Monday morning when you're driving to work and you wanna pull out your, your hair, like pop in some worship, practice the presence of God in your life constantly. This is what Elisha's teaching us. He says, bring me a harpist because I need to center myself. I need to get myself in God's presence. When you're, when you're driving home from work and you're ready to kill everything that breathes, you know, when you walk into your house, practice the presence of God in your life. Keep going, this is, this is helping me because he says this, in 2 Kings 3.16, this is what the Lord says. So he's in this moment of feeling God's presence, of, of moving. And he says, make this valley full of ditches. Elisha said, God wants you to dig. God wants you to, to put your hands to the shovel. God wants you, and he didn't, he didn't say just a few ditches, right? He said, make this valley full of them. Full of ditches, dig some ditches. And here's another key to great faith. The great faith moves us beyond inspiration to participation. It's gotta be way more than I'm inspired by God. It's gotta be way more than I put on some worship music in my car and I get home and I'm still a jerk to my family. Great faith moves us beyond just inspiration to participation. We learned this from Jesus. Jesus said, hey, you wanna see again? All right, well, you gotta go wash that off your eyes. You have to move. You have to get involved in this miracle. Hey, you wanna stand up and walk? Well, pick up your mat. You do the work. Hey, you wanna stretch out your hand? All right, well, you have to move it. You have to take that step to do it. Peter, you wanna get out of the boat? You wanna walk on water? Then you better take a step out. Great faith always moves us beyond just inspiration. And Jesus, throughout his ministry, Revealed that to us. And are you someone that wants the blessings of God, but you're not willing to budge for God? Take that first step. And I think God wants us to move, to move, to participate. See, I come in this room, and this room is amazing to me. This building is amazing to me. It's amazing to Kristen. Um, some of you just think this, this just happened. It just kind of showed up maybe. But you didn't see in February, you know, of 2012, us hitching up trailers in freezing cold weather. You didn't see us, you know, with lighters at the trailer hitch lock so we could like unfreeze the lock, you know, so we can get that thing on there. Some of you were there. Some of you have experienced that. You weren't there at 6.45 at Harding School as we're loading in sound and video and lights and kids things, setting up screens and projection and, and all that kind of stuff. You know what we were doing? We were digging ditches, digging ditches every step of the way. And I would do it all over again, digging ditches. And Chris and I, we would get phone calls from our church planner friends who launched on the same day that we did. And they tell us things like, you know what? Somebody just gave us a school, an entire school for $7,000. Like they bought a school for $7,000. I'm like, I hate you right now. <laughs> or someone would call and say, we just got a check in our P.O. box for six gazillion trillion dollars. It's unbelievable. And we would go to our P.O. box 
just, just really hoping for enough because I remember one of the scariest things that, that we did, and it seems so trivial now, was for me to sign a contract for a copy machine, 80 bucks a month. And I was afraid I, we broke the bank and then we moved into an office space. You know what we were doing? We were digging ditches. And I think some of you, you're waiting on God to move. He's waiting on you to move. He's waiting on you to pick up the shovel and to start digging, to start digging. And then the final thing, the final thought that I wanna share with you about great faith is what he says in verse 17, for this is what the Lord says. So here you are digging, making this valley full, doing the best that you can, and it's hard work, by the way. It's hard work. He says, this is what the Lord says, you will neither see wind nor rain. In other words, all that hard work that you're doing, you might not see anything. You might not in the moment see any evidence that what you're digging is, is doing anything. And for those of you that are like, Colby, I've been praying for my, my son who is as far from God as he can be right now. You might not see God moving in his heart. You might not see him being drawn back to God, but that doesn't mean you stop digging. Because here's the, the third key to great faith, is that great faith continues regardless of what we see. Regardless of what we see. So we just believe in God to do immeasurably more than we can ask, think, or imagine. And we dig, and we dig, and we continue to dig day after day and just trust God with the outcome. And then he says, this is an easy thing for the Lord, and he will also hand Moab over to you. Here's what I want us to do. I want you to bow your head. Some of you need to start digging, need to start moving. This is igniting something in your heart, in your life, something greater than what you can do on your own, and you really need God to show up. So in just a moment, we're just gonna continue uh, to do that, to take steps. And one of the ways we do that as a church is we, we know there are great things in the years to come, but we can't do this. We can't do this without God showing up. But we have great faith that he will. We have great faith that as we come and we, we bring our offering that you guys have been planning on and praying over, that God's gonna take that, multiply, and we're gonna be able to do immeasurably more then we can ask or imagine. But before we do that, we're gonna stand in a moment and sing. I wanna to talk to those of you with every head bowed, every eyes closed, that you walked in this room and you have that destructive picture of yourself. And here's what you need to know. This church was planted for you. We launched this church with you in mind. God had you in mind this day that you would walk in here and he could remind you how much he loves you and how desperate he is for you. And that although you may feel inadequate, although you may feel like you're about to end it all 
and you've had that thought and maybe you have that thought that you are never undeserving of the grace that he has for you and that he's chosen you that you have a calling on your life and he's reaching out asking you to simply find that behold the Bible says I stand at the door and knock and God right now is knocking on the door of your heart and if you would just open your life up to him and let him in he will make you new if anyone's in Christ they're a new creation the old is gone the new has come and today you can be made new in Jesus name and the way we do that is through prayer and I want to lead you in that prayer right now in fact everyone stand to your feet still praying everyone stand to your feet And as soon as we get done praying, we're going to celebrate, we're going to sing, and we're going to bring our offering together. But you can pray this prayer with me without looking around. Say, Colby, that's why I'm here today. Because God is going to cover all of my inadequacies, all of my insecurities. God is going to restore me. God is going to make me new. In Jesus' name, today is the day I surrender my life to Jesus. If that's you, would you just raise your hand just as a sign of surrender? Just hold it up high. Hold it up high. I just want to see who I'm praying with right now. Awesome. Awesome. God bless you. Man, so many people in this room right now saying, Jesus, today is the day. You can put your hands down. Pray this out loud. Whisper it to God. He knows where you are. Jesus, today, I want to say thank you. Even though I've fallen short so many times that I can't do this without you. And I don't want to do this apart from you. And so today I repent of living for myself and I choose to live for you and you alone. And so Jesus, from this moment, I confess you as Lord and Savior and I put my faith in the fact that you died for my sin. And so I repent of my sin and I trust you for salvation. And from this moment on, I'm gonna live for you with everything that I have. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, church, celebrate with those. That's awesome. We are always encouraged to know that God is using Elevate to bless people's lives. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, share your story online at elevatechurch.com.